Welcome back to Atypical Talk. This is a podcast where we have conversations that illuminate the intersection of faith, culture, and the common spaces of our humanity. I'm Abby. I'm Allison. And I'm Joel. And uh, this episode's coming out in March, which is the first month of spring. I am so excited for spring (laughs) weather. I know the sun's shining today, even though it's February. Yes, we are getting a small taste of it, and I'm really excited. But what are you most looking forward to about spring? So many things. Um, Baseball season, which Mm. I adore. Um, Walking my dog outside. Wait, baseball season. Like, you, like, watch baseball all the time? Like, (laughs) all day? Like, because there's a game on every day. You watch it all the time? Like we on TV? Mm-hmm, yep. Wow. <laughs> and going to Those games. Those games are long, too. That's crazy. They are. They are. Um, but have you ever had helmet nachos? Let me just tell you. It's no, a whole nother no. change, change your life. Um, but walking my dog outside without freezing to death um, and being able to wear sandals without, you know, people judging you because it's February and it's actually <laughs> cold. But I don't care. I don't like socks. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to not wearing socks. Without judgment, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Abby? Um, so my husband rides a motorcycle, and I'm looking forward to those That means motorcycle that you get to rides. ride the motorcycle, yeah. too, right? I yeah. sit on the back. You yeah. ride. You don't drive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I enjoy motorcycle rides, especially if we're going to get ice cream. Oh, I'm a yeah. little disappointed if we go on a ride, and then we start pulling into... Our driveway, I'm like, we didn't stop for right. ice cream. Why are we home already? The trip is not complete <laughs> no. without yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. Or shaved ice, right? I, that's what yeah. I was just yeah. thinking, mm-hmm. too. That's yeah. your jam. I have no idea when if it, Moustache if, When, if, if, if. There's a place called stop. Moustache in Kokomo. Yes. Yes. On the north side of town. And um, people around the church went goo-goo-ga-ga over it. <laughs> <laughs> that might be an understatement, but it's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's the best thing ever. Okay, Joel, what are you looking forward yeah, to? Yeah, I think, I mean with you um ice cream is a mm. part of it because like as the weather gets nicer all of the local ice cream places open up and mm-hmm. um another thing to that is just walking around our neighborhood our neighborhood is like a real walkable place and um as the weather gets nice and we can go with our our kids and jack riding whatever it's his mower it's his tractor <laughs> it's his bike his tricycle whatever it might be going around and now thomas is going to be two in a couple weeks and so uh he's getting into that more dangerous fun stuff (laughs) so like going on walks and then going to an ice cream place like scoops um sounds really really fun but also as the weather gets nicer i start thinking about live music and outside concerts Mm -hmm. because i love going to concerts as many of you guys know so i'm like making my spring and summer tour list of the concerts i'm going to go to and be outside massive crowds of people singing and being ridiculous that sounds fun for me (laughs) have you already purchased what's your first concert um uh i'm seeing the killers in may i'm seeing dave matthews band in may and i have in april i think megan and i are going to go see wilco so we've got we've got some spring tour okay so our first article today is a washington post article titled Separated by War, a Ukrainian Family Balances Safety, Duty, and Love. This article follows Andrei and Olha, a Ukrainian couple that have been apart for over a year because of the war. When they said goodbye, they both assumed that they'd be together again shortly, but the war continues on to this day. Andrei has been performing some of the Ukrainian military's riskiest reconnaissance work on the front lines of eastern Ukraine. His wife, Olha, has taken refuge in Germany with their daughter, Sasha. He texts her a heart emoji every morning to let her know he's still alive, and that heart determines her mood for the day. 
Their story is similar to many other Ukrainian couples who have been separated due to the war. Olha tries to stay strong for her daughter and to continue supporting Andrei through everything. She noticed Andrei's absence in all the small daily tasks that used to be his, making the coffee, driving Sasha to school, hauling in the heavy family packs of bottled water. She also felt rage about Russia, about the war, about what she saw as a forced separation stemming from the invasion. Sometimes she felt such anger that it veered towards hatred. This story was so touching and so heartbreaking to hear, you know, mm-hmm. we don't hear about the war anymore, no. you know, since it's, it started and we had so many news articles about it and we mm-hmm. haven't heard anything since then. So what about this story stuck out to you guys? Yeah, I think it's easy uh, for us as Americans to sometimes forget that these wars are still raging on because they aren't our entire world. Mm -hmm. You know, they aren't our every single day like they are for them. And, um, you know, so it becomes kind of this out of sight, out of mind thing. Um, But every story like this one or article that I read, um, yeah, it literally breaks my heart because I cannot imagine... um, life like this we forget you know sometimes how incredibly privileged we are even on our worst days or the days that we think you know absolutely stink like nobody has forced me to leave my country or learn a new language or get a different job or start a new school or make new friends or learn an entire different way of life like Mm -hmm. that is just not that has just never been a thing in all of my existence so um so yeah it's super discouraging that it's still going on it's just it's gut-wrenching yeah 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 i think you touched on something that connected with me is just the idea that so easy to get wrapped up in our world and things we see around us but this is a great reminder for each and every one of us that our world is not the world (laughs) no and we are just a small slither of the pie of the big thing that's going on and um, we lose so much perspective in that. You know, I, I kept thinking about all the things that I complain about or get mad about, the dumb inconveniences, like our water heater breaking this weekend. Mm. And I'm like, it like ruined our weekend, yeah. right? Cold and, showers. And I'm just like, oh, okay. To have some perspective mm-hmm. inside of this and the things that we complain about, like in this great big world, there are real tragedies, not yeah. just inconveniences mm-hmm. that we so often get. I mean, we just passed the one year anniversary of this war starting. And like Abby mentioned, it seems like, um, you know, we just lose sight that it's still going on and it's not front page of our news and what we're getting every day anymore, which I think speaks to just our attention deficit that we have for things, mm-hmm. you know, and because there was a huge outrage, there was a huge call for supporting our Ukrainian brothers and sisters and many of the Russians that were against the war near the very beginning of this. And we just get so distracted and we get like on to the next thing and we get outraged about this thing. And then 10 minutes later, we forget <laughs> that it's even going on. And yeah. mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it's been a year already yeah, that yeah. this has been going on. And so it helps me gain some perspective. Um, and just bend my heart towards uh, these people whose lives have completely been upended. And it also is, it's a call for me to consider like, you know, what, what can we do? What can I do to like, you know, help bring an end to this conflict that's, you know, taken so many lives and just upended so many people in their world. And, you know, not like we have a lot to do outside of pray, pray and pray for there to be an end of the conflict, pray for there to be um, restoration in this brokenness and that uh, there would be retreat and there would be a 
able to go home and rebuild and it wouldn't even breathe more division and hatred between Ukrainian people and Russian people, which I'm sure there's going to be that Mm -hmm. seed there. Right. But hopefully that there can be restoration throughout all that. And, um, there can be justice in this situation. But I mean, it's just a call for me to continue to think about and pray for an end to this war that's going on over a year now. Mm-hmm. And you, this story brings a human face to it. This isn't just people making decisions at a war table. This mm-hmm. is uh, families being ripped apart. And um, yeah, it's it's broken and we need mm-hmm. God to bring it into it and be a part of that. Yeah, yeah. It just breaks my heart hearing how um, Oha, she, her mood depends on whether or not she gets that heart yeah. emoji first thing in the morning. When well, she said there was like a three weeks, three week stretch where she didn't hear anything. Yeah. And you just think like. For three weeks. Yeah. Is he gone? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Just, I mean, the trauma that comes from this in like all sorts of different ways, whether you're fighting, whether you're, you know, leaving your home country, like, yeah, just the trauma that comes from this literally going to change people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrifying. And so, like Joel said, we continue to pray for them. And um, it's just shocking that mm-hmm. it's been going on for a year. And this couple and so many other couples and families have been separated mm-hmm. for a year because of all of this. Yep. So our second topic today is a USA Today article by Kathleen Wong. If I can do this, I can do anything. How this Tahoe nonprofit empowers travelers with disabilities. Palisades Tahoe is a ski slope in Olympic Valley, California. At Palisades Tahoe, there's a nonprofit organization called Achieve Tahoe that works with people with mental and physical disabilities and helps them ski with adaptive ski gear. Although the nonprofit's specialty is skiing, it's expanded to also include summer activities like kayaking, horseback riding, hiking, archery, and water skiing. As long as you can breathe independently, you can come ski, Marina Gardner, Guest Services Director at Achieve Tahoe says. At the heart of Achieve Tahoe's mission is to give people with disabilities the opportunity to feel empowered and challenged through a sport that helps build their confidence and a healthy lifestyle. Our motto is, if I can do this, I can do anything, Gardner says. The more you can do for yourself, the more rewarding it is for that participant. I just love hearing stories Mm -hmm. like this. I know we talk a lot about, you know, stories where, you know, we talked about the the signing Starbucks a couple Mm -hmm. weeks ago. For deaf friends. Yeah, just taking extra steps to make someone with a disability feel welcomed. Mm -hmm. And so this is another great story, I think, of that that example. Yeah. Now, anytime that... um, you know, somebody or an organization or an event even is advocating for inclusion, like that's a win for humanity. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just for the individual that they're able to support with this adaptive equipment. Like this is a win for everybody because we should be pulling for everybody to have an equal playing field. And so um, when you're able to provide somebody this like sense of accomplishment, um, self-sufficiency, like the self-esteem, everything like, increases and goes up so i just i love it so much um just again kind of like with the last article like you're literally changing someone's life like this Mm -hmm. just this one act whether you know like in the last article it was negative necessarily and this Mm -hmm. one it's positive but like one simple single thing can change somebody's life so i just 
it's not just the physical benefits either of like the fresh air and being outside and some mm-hmm. of um you know some of these people being able to control their own skis or sleds but like just being a part of like a social activity um with their friends or their family like that's emotional uh health as well and well-being so i love this again i'm big proponent so yeah yeah <laughs> the article talked about this um kid who was on a school trip and he had his leg amputated and was able to go skiing with everyone else because they had that adaptive yeah. ski gear and stuff and i it's thought amazing. that was awesome yeah because mm-hmm. you know kids with disabilities they don't get to join in on mm-hmm. activities like that yeah and so normally he'd be sitting so on cool. the sidelines yeah. just watching everybody else have fun while he sits mm-hmm. in the cold but yeah. like yeah it's amazing mm-hmm. i think uh, i love what's described inside of their mission is to give people with disabilities the opportunity to feel empowered and challenged Mm -hmm. through Mm -hmm. a sport that helps build confidence and a healthy lifestyle. And I think it's really interesting, like um, it's not only empowered in the sense of, oh, look what I can do, but there's something that happens inside of a challenge, something that happens inside of, oh, this is a little out of my comfort zone that actually helps us grow and develop into the best version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we all experience that when we step out of our comfort zones to do something that's a little challenging. Mm -hmm. I always think that's like the most pivotal moment in so many of our lives is when we step out of our comfort zone, do something, and we don't die. And we're (laughs) actually, hey, that wasn't the worst. (laughs) I don't suck at this. That's a really pivotal moment. And uh, to see that, like, this is actually giving um, our friends with disabilities this opportunity to have a challenge and then to overcome a challenge. When you think about challenge for somebody who has a disability, to them, it's always a it's a stop sign. Mm -hmm. This is too much of a challenge. This you can't do this. You can't do this. And I'm just really struck by this reality that it's giving them an opportunity to overcome challenge. And through that, you build confidence and self-esteem and health. And that's a beautiful thing that we can offer um, people is to give them a challenge and opportunity to overcome because even though we often don't like it in the moment, those are some of the biggest um, moments in our lives mm-hmm. to do that. And I, again, I, I always love when we can talk about these uh, just non-normative life experiences, you know, something that is not everybody, it's a small percentage of our population, but considering life through their eyes and through their lives and through their unique challenges, I think it builds something in us, right? It builds empathy. It builds like this new shelf or category in our brain to be thinking about, oh, these are real people. This is not just something I saw in a movie once. These are real people. And um, I'm always challenged by that because I think the mark of our society, the mark of any of our communities of our greatness is not in what we accomplish and how big and bad we are, but it's in where we treat um, everybody and especially those on the underbelly of our society, people that have unique challenges. So our next question is, if you could be amazing at any skill without practicing, what would it be and why? You want to You're gonna make me start. <laughs> I'm like, I don't really know. Um, I mean, I came I, up. With I this, would but. love to be able to like cook what I wanted to eat. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I'm really and have good. Have it be good. And have it be good. That's the thing. I like, like, because I feel like I know what tastes really good. I'm yeah. pretty good at that. Uh, if you look at me, you know. But uh, I know it tastes good, and I enjoy eating. Um, but I would love to be able to be like, oh, hey, I'd like to have this tonight, mm-hmm. and I could just make it happen. Yeah. Without, because like, I just get like all anxious when like working with new ingredients and uh, what does it mean to fold in the eggs? I don't know. Like, you know, like what does that practice look like? And then it's like a two hour YouTube tutorial and then my kids are starving and they end up eating, you know, 
<laughs> peanut butter and jelly instead, <laughs> right? And so I would love to be able to like just make it happen. Oh, I'm going to make yeah. lobster ravioli tonight and <laughs> boom, it's going to be good. Yeah. And I don't have to go to courses for like six months and, you know, train under a French chef to make it happen. And you don't have to have like Pizza King or something on speed dial in yes. case it fails. <laughs> in, in case it fails as it yeah, often yeah. might do. So, yeah, so I, yeah, that would be mine. I would love to be mm-hmm. able to just like in, be an incredible cook and chef and make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, when I was thinking about this, I would love to learn all of the languages. Now, I know that's absurd and there's no possible way, you know, that that you could possibly learn them all, but like I would love to be able to I I love to travel, so I want to go lots of places, but I also want to be able to speak with people in their native language. Yeah. I don't want them to have to try to figure out what I'm trying to say. I don't want to have to use hand gestures or point to things. Like I would love to be able to just fluently have conversational speech with people with all sorts of mm-hmm. languages so yeah yeah that would be just awesome. want a tower of babel moment so we can understand <laughs> everybody oh my goodness yes yeah, yeah. that's awesome yeah mine isn't as touching as either of yours mine <laughs> touching I, just, I wanted to make ravioli yeah. 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 So you could make food for people yeah or something. That's true. Uh, yeah, people, yeah, cool yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 see mine is just i want to be able to roller skate oh. i think that would be awesome like I, we could make that happen in 2023. Like we could have this be <laughs> your bucket list. Oh, that's, that's cool. I just I love skate. watching videos of people roller skating and doing tricks and stuff as they're going down the street, and I think oh. that would be so much fun. But I have this like terrible fear of falling and hurting myself. Oh. You will fall, yeah, yeah. and you'll yeah. probably like uh you know mm-hmm. scrape up a little bit, yeah. but you'll be okay. Yeah, because I try I tried to teach myself how to skateboard when I was younger, and I fell and hurt my ankle pretty bad i mean i didn't break it or anything yeah. but it bled everywhere and <laughs> that's enough I, to not get back on the skateboard right? and i have not been on the skateboard since <laughs> and so i had this like fear of you know oh. hurting myself and having to clean up a mess and everything afterwards but yeah. oh man maybe one of our things for the podcast this year is we all have to try something you know yeah Scary and and difficult. You have to do Rosetta Stone. (laughs) All of them. Listen, I said I could learn all of them. I will say hers is the hardest one. Yeah, listen, the question said if I could be amazing without practicing. Yeah, yeah. To just snap your fingers and suddenly you know all languages. Mm. Yeah, I'm here for it. That would be awesome. (laughs) So our final topic is a Los Angeles Times article by Salvador Hernandez. Saddleback Church ordained women, so the Southern Baptist Convention gave it the boot. Saddleback Church in Lake Forest, California, was a part of the Southern Baptist Convention and was recently kicked out due to ordaining three women pastors. They were one of five churches who were removed because of women serving as pastors and were the second largest congregation in the convention. In 2000, the Southern Baptist Convention added the ban on female pastors to its faith and message doctrine. Jared Wellman, chairman of the convention's executive committee, said in a statement, these churches have been valued cooperating churches for many years, and this decision was not made lightly. However, we remain committed to upholding the theological convictions of the SBC and maintain unity among its cooperating churches. So this is a difficult article to hear. Um, but one thing that uh, I kind of was thinking about while reading it was um, how the Saddleback Church continued to fight for their position 
in the Southern Baptist Convention, mm-hmm. even though it was clear that their values didn't align. Why do you think they continued to fight for that position if they knew that the Southern Baptist Convention wouldn't change their mind? I, I, th- I think my take on this is um, that they are the second largest congregation in the whole SBC, mm-hmm. whole denomination. So I imagine that they were fighting to stay in because they think that they can bring change. Mm-hmm. And they think that, hey, we have enough sway. We have yep. enough mm-hmm. bucks and we have <laughs> enough people that maybe they would reconsider their interpretation of Scripture in light of that. And mm-hmm. so I, I imagine that that's what they're trying to do, to be like, hey, can we revisit this instead of like having this messy divorce? Because I think that you can look at this and see it differently and yeah. read these Bible verses differently. So um, that would be my take, is that they thought that they were big enough. They're not like this small church of 50 people mm-hmm. saying, hey, we're going to change the whole Southern yeah. Baptist Convention. <laughs> but they're big enough that they thought, hey, maybe we would hold some sway and we'd yeah. be able to have some dialogue about um, keeping the family together and moving the position into mm-hmm. um, a different place. That'd yeah. be my take. Yeah. And I think for them, you know, it's less about being a part. I don't know. Again, speaking out of pocket because mm-hmm. I really don't know. But, um, you know, for them, it's not so much being a part of an organization because you need the funds or there's like some sort of, you know, status or whatever that comes with being a part of it. Like, the other like rural churches that also got um, disfellowshipped or what, whatever term they <laughs> used, but um, the boot, yeah. technical <laughs> theological <laughs> term, yeah. Oh. Um, because for those rural churches, like that probably was impactful. You know, they mm-hmm. probably did need those resources, and you know, in the Southern Baptist tr- um, Convention, they are they give a lot to church planning yeah. and to smaller churches to help them grow. And so yeah. there are a lot of churches that probably were like gulp we have to just swallow this or we close and there's a lot of politics involved with it and real dollars affect real ministry Mm -hmm. so often so i imagine that they didn't have that right but yeah so also super proud of those other churches though too who knowing that they could lose their funding and their resources like still stuck to the values that they believed Mm -hmm. and you know, they'll pay what they'll pay for it and then trust God with the consequences. Right. I think that's a really faithful thing to do is Mm -hmm. that they will take a hit, Mm -hmm. but they're going to trust God with the consequences and with their convictions to tell a different story. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty inspiring. I think, I mean, again, all this being said, you know, here at Bridgeway, at least we're an egalitarian church theologically, meaning that we believe that men and women are gifted and can do everything the same. Mm-hmm. Women can do what men can do uh, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And um, and so from our perspective of what we try to practice in the kind of community we're kind of trying to build, you know, what Saddleback has done is inspiring. And man, I, I do. I pray that it does uh, leave, lead people to have a different conversation or another look at um, w- how we treat 51% of the human population <laughs> and what we believe that they can do. Mm-hmm. Sorry, just a little snarky mm-hmm. in that. Um but yeah, so I, I think it is inspiring and way to go leaders there. And at, at these smaller rural churches that you don't know their names and you don't know their founding lead pastor, mm-hmm. didn't write the second most popular <laughs> book of all time, yeah. um, way to go inside of that and you know praying that God would bless you and lead a, um, a new way forward for many of these churches. And, and, you know, and not to throw shade at 
our brothers and sisters who are in more complementarian churches, believing that men have certain roles and women have certain roles and they're not supposed to mix and match. I thoroughly believe that I will spend all of eternity with you and I'll take communion with you any day. And we all believe in the resurrected Jesus and that's all good. And we just have a disagreement on this one thing. Um, but there are many of us that think that this is a really important thing. And, um, there's a world that's watching how we treat our sisters and how we invite them to the table or how we invite them just to get lunch for the people at the table. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I'm praying that this would be something that moves the needle and that people would revisit some of these passages that can be challenging mm. to see a different way of understanding them and seeing how um, God has gifted both men and women to lead the way. And we need men and women to lead the way in every kind of room to make the biggest impact that we possibly can have. And, hey, can we just also just theologically agree that um, when Jesus was resurrected, he sent the women mm -hmm. as the first messengers of the resurrection. Because <laughs> we don't want to talk about So to be anymore. really biblical, I'm just going to say, to be uber biblical on Easter Sunday, we should have uh, we should have women preaching the Easter sermon. So Allison, you're up. We're just going to be biblical. We're just going to be biblical. Let's make it happen. Well, um, and I these kind of like theological showdowns or, you know, whatever you want to call them, like aren't necessarily unusual. Like these things have been happening over slavery, civil rights movements, you know, right now, like United Methodist church is having you know yeah, their own over lgbtq plus inclusion and so you know these sorts of things have been happening for all of time but mm -hmm. um i just hope you know uh selfishly in a way but like you know further down the line that we get you know 20 years from now we look back and we're like oh man this was such a big deal but it's just a commonplace thing that we mm -hmm. have in this understanding now that like my kids won't necessarily be like oh it's super unusual to have this woman up here on a sunday morning it will just be a commonplace thing where they see find themselves um and can see themselves doing something yeah. that maybe they never thought they could do before so mm -hmm. yeah. mm, amen let it be so <laughs> yeah that's awesome <laughs> Well, that is it for this episode. If you have questions or topics you'd like us to talk about, email those to atypicaltalkpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at atypicaltalkpod. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We hope that these conversations today have helped you think wider, love deeper, and partner with God to bring the up there down here in your everyday life. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.